0: Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties, listen to the questions you have.
1: We find pros in the know to help you learn.
0: And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome Welcome to to VO VO Booth
2: Booth Besties.
1: Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. Have you missed a live episode? You can always catch the recording later and our past recordings on our website, boothbesties.com, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to join us in the Booth, the VO Booth Besties Facebook group as well. We're
2: really fun. Uh, now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, JT. Thank you very much. Cliff Zellman is an established producer, director, audio engineer, editor, and currently the owner of Amazing Demos, a production company creating custom demos for voiceover professionals. With over 45 years in the industry, he's pretty much recorded, produced, directed, and edited just about anything and everything audio. Cliff says his firm foundation in music has been instrumental, pun intended, in his success on the other side of the glass. (laughs) While Cliff started in rock and roll, L.A. in the late 70s and 80s. In the 90s, he shifted to dialogue recording for animation with Disney, uh, uh, Dick and Saban. Then one day it all kind of came together and crystallized his focus and made him shift into voiceover and audio production for local and regional automotive. He moved to L.A. from Dallas in 95 to join Radio Vision, a cutting-edge full-service production company. As director of audio production client creative services, Cliff has produced well over 25,000 TV and radio spots for multiple agencies across the country. In addition, Cliff has led dozens of convention workshops, including at VO Atlanta, Wovo, the JMC Euro Retreat, the One Voice Conference, and more. And he's been a guest on numerous industry podcasts, which now includes VO Booth Besties.
3: Hi. Hi. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Um I love your group. Um, when you guys, you know, started it, I jumped in, and and I, I think the first time um, I really got to know you guys was during Hollywood Squares, <laughs> which was so much fun. Um,
1: I don't I, know if that brought out the best um, of <laughs> me or I, not.
3: <laughs> I I, got, I think I had like four questions, and I, I think I got three of them right. There, um, yeah, I lied for the the last one. I think was some some like innovative oh, seatbelts first car that had seatbelts and i'm thinking back and i remember mercury always had the most innovative stuff they had the push button uh shift knobs and they had all kinds of cool things and no it wasn't uh so if anybody's ever on jeopardy the answer is nash
1: so not Mercury. The,
3: okay. not mercury right. I, I learned my lesson well
1: well okay uh, so really quick i think we need to give some backstory to some of our viewers and listeners so we attended the One Voice conference in Dallas last year and one of our besties, uh Ian O'Donnell, hosted a live Hollywood Squares um evening event and it was purely for entertainment and fun. Cliff and I were both one of the contestants to try. Yeah, we were one of the squares to try to um, help unassuming volunteers in the audience come up and answer all kinds of different questions. And it got a little rowdy, but it was really fun. So, um,
3: okay. The front row got really rowdy. I
1: I may or may not have been on the front row wearing my Naked general t-shirt. Like
3: I think you were in the front row. I think Liz was in the front row. Liz
1: was next to me, and then we had K-Bess. Sweet, sweet K-Bess. We're over there being obnoxious, and she's just...
3: (laughs) That pretty much sums up uh, the whole program right there. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Cliff, I honestly, until that intro... Did not know what a strong music background you have. Fellow singer, piano player here. How? What, what was the goal? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What, what were we doing with that?
3: I think to be uh, the, the fifth member of the Monkees.
1: Okay. Okay. Good, um, goal. Good goal.
3: My father, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, was an incredible uh, jazz pianist. And nice started when he was five years old. They thought he was going to be a prodigy. Mm -hmm. Um, he decided to go the jazz boogie route instead. Um, When I was a baby, he had a grand piano. Well, we had a grand piano. When Mm -hmm. I was a baby, he would put me in the bassinet and put me underneath the piano. While he would play, I'd be staring up. I guess I was staring up. I don't really remember. Um, He also put me to sleep with a metronome at night. So he would say, okay, this is 105 beats. <laughs> Go to sleep. That's funny. So yeah, I, I'm
1: curious which beats work. This may also be a parenting tip for folks.
3: I <laughs> yeah, was a-, a little brisk. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he wanted me to get da 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 Um I found a guitar. I spoke a little bit about this last night um with, with uh my good friend Dave. I found a guitar in a trash can walking home from school, elementary school. I was in third grade, tried to build it. It was destroyed. My parents bought me a guitar. Um, Very young and rounded up kids in the neighborhood. You know, you're the drummer. Here's soup, wooden soup spoons and a couple of, you know, cases. And I had my guitar and, and uh, I, I tried to rebuild the guitar in the trash can, but it, didn't work and my parents felt bad for me so if any of you guys are from the valley and anywhere near as old as i am uh you may remember fedco does that sound familiar to any no no west coasters over there
1: maybe they'll raise their hand in the in the audience not me
3: say i know i I remember fedco uh took me to fedco bought me a tiasco del rey guitar that's probably worth a fortune now um and that was it loved it joined bands uh always wanted to not really wanted to play live uh um, okay. i've always wanted to record i want to put pieces together i want to work out a cool little riff and then you know section that off you know keep playing that um playing live always i was really scared and i think i threw up before every one of my live <laughs>
1: oh, that's not back. uncommon though
3: i'm almost no. ready i'll be no. there
1: let me ask you, Cliff. So one of the things that I pride myself on, I, I just, I call myself a creative, capital C creative. And it sounds like you are very similar, which is what's landed you with opportunities to do all different kinds of creative endeavors, entrepreneurial endeavors to include voiceover. So, so what's the synopsis from, I found the guitar in the trash can. And, you know, you found your way into production and being in voiceover and being a coach and being a speaker. Like, how did we get here? How did we get to Cliff Zellman right now?
3: I I think it's through multiple sources of inspiration. Okay. I see when I was in high school, I was one of the better guitar players in high school. But Steve Montgomery showed up came out of nowhere right in the middle of the semester, this guy with this long hair and this gorgeous white Stratocaster that was a cross between Robin Trower and Jimi Hendrix. And, and he made me want to be a better guitar player.
1: I like that.
3: Um working with, Oh, by the way, it's, it's Deke and Saban or the uh, production companies um, that I was doing animation for back in the nineties, uh, Disney, Deke and Saban. uh okay. Deke was Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Saban, Saban, I see it.
1: Okay.
3: Uh, Saban, I think was little mouse on the prairie and Where in the world in Carmen San Diego and Disney was goof troop. Um, okay. And I, I think, uh, uh, Howie's world. I'm I'm not sure. I'm uh, not Howie's world. Um, what was the one with Howard, Howie Mandel, Bobby's world. Anyway. Um, being the fader thrower, being the audio engineer, um, I I watched these guys work. They were inspiration. I wanted to do that too. Um, I would go to concerts and I would try to sit behind the the guy in the sound booth. And I'd be watching their moves and I'd be so into it. I wouldn't even watch the show. You know, I'd be watching (laughs) the mixer. And that was inspiration. I want to do that too. I'd watch Ian Anderson play the flute. I went out and bought a flute, you know? So it's things that inspire me that I want to do. And I don't have to be a master of it. I mean, certainly when it comes to demos, yes, I got that covered. Everything that I I charge for, I got that covered. But I just bought an electronic drum set yeah, because I want one and I'm inspired. And I I saw um, Billy Cobham. Play on an old video, and I'm watching him, and I'm I'm listening to Toto, and listening to Jeff Bacaro, and just that groove that you know, and it's really hard, you know. I think that's
1: what makes us unique, and that's that's even how I got into the voiceover industry because I came from a theater background, did on camera work, and and it was that that challenge, like, hey, I want to try this. I think I can do this. And again, like you said, I love the idea of not striving for perfection because there is no such thing that, you know, but it's that give it a try, hone your skills. Maybe you use it as a hobby. Maybe it does become a profession and you get paid to do this. And, and I, I just, I think it's that spirit of, um, of going for it, which is one of the things I love to do. So with voiceover though, you're known for automotive, let's be real. That when we sure. say Cliff Zellman, we hear automotive. So kind of tell me how did that journey, how did your journey lead you here?
3: Well, when I moved to Dallas, um doing some investigation and I got an offer from a company called Radio Vision. Okay. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a you know, low-hanging fruit kind of a name, you know. Can we be a little more creative? But all they did was radio spots and television spots, and it okay. actually started to fit. Um I walked in on an interview and I immediately really liked the guy that I was talking to. He said we were talking and I wanted more information out of him in the beginning than to me. Cause when I walk in, it's like when, when I would audition for bands and stuff, I would have the mindset. And I think this works in VO too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: you walk into something and you think, are they good enough to work with me? Now, of course they are right. When, I know. But it's that attitude, you know, and I would go into auditions and I'd say, are these players good enough players to play with me? Of course they were. Um, and it was the same thing with Radio Vision. I wanted to know as much as I could about this company before I made any commitments. And I saw that they were a mess, mm. creatively on fire, okay, organized, uh, technically, workflow. Um everybody was doing everybody else's job. There was like eight people. Uh two out about two years, three years into my employment, we had almost 40 people. Um their engineer was a guitar player in a band. I came from 20 years of LA.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, everyday big time studio stuff. Um, they had tons of money and they called me LA, and I said,
1: Uh uh you don't no. No. What was that what you think,
3: LA? You know, I I have keys, I can leave anytime. Please don't call I'm here, I'm committed. I'm not LA. That was but one of the owners, uh, we were talking many, many years ago sitting around my uh dinner table, my family, and we're saying, other than family, name five people, your five favorite people. And you can't include daddy or mommy or, you know, Allie or any of that. And one of my five favorite people was one of the owners of Radio Vision. Okay. And everybody kind of looked at me and said, wow, that's, you know, your boss is one of your favorite people. So, yeah, I was very fortunate. I, I loved the company. I loved everybody there. We fought like cats and dogs, of course. Um, But it was all for the good of the client. Um. If scripts needed to be improved, if my mixes needed to be improved, nobody ever really took up anything personally um, because our goal was, you know, get people into the dealership. It wasn't really our responsibility how many cars they sold on the weekend, but it was definitely our responsibility how many people walked through the door. Yeah. So if they yes. got 500 people walking through the door on a Saturday and they, they sell eight cars, we need to have a meeting, you know? It yeah. ain't.
1: So were you doing both engineering and voiceover?
3: For these over when i absolutely had to character okay. um like what you know right they give a price you know and and i'd be like seriously or i would be the california surfer guy because i grew up in you know the valley in the 70s and and fast times at ridgemont high was filmed right. at Bandai's high school my school but
1: yeah
3: i went to or barely went to or Told people i went to.
1: sometimes went to yeah
3: yeah <laughs> band practice at 1 30 in the afternoon on a tuesday you
1: priorities know. priorities
3: you know my parents wanted me to be an accountant and from the time i told you from the time i was 5 10 years old i knew i had to have an instrument or something like that in my hands yeah and i left high school and i went to la valley college which is a beautiful school um during lunchtime quiet riot would play striper you know the, the hair bands of the of the late 70s you know would would play in the quad at, at valley college great place but i was i was taking these accounting classes and bookkeeping classes and every day i got further and further behind mm-hmm. i knew less on wednesday than i did on Monday. And I said, "I'm wasting my time. I gathered
1: heart's not in it.
3: I gathered my books, picked up my pencils, walked out, went over to the job board on at Valley College, and I saw a job at a recording studio.
2: Hmm.
3: Now this was absolute bottom of the barrel, but it was l a It was very early eighties, very late seventies, so there was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was getting paid $25 an hour to answer phones. Nice. And then I was not allowed to do anything and I got a promotion to vacuum. Look, really? Yes, ma'am. And then I got a promotion to clean the toilets. (laughs) And then I got a promotion to stock the refrigerator. And then I got a promotion to do tape inventory to see how much two-inch, quarter-inch cassettes we need to buy. And one of the Since I'm right there, physically right now, mentally in the library doing inventory, um, one of the greatest moments of my life was this long hall library that was a wall on one side and you know bookshelves on the other. You'd walk Mm -hmm. down. The other side of the wall is the studio, the room where the where the recording was, not the control room where they mix. Right, studio. Steve Lukather's guitar amp. Was right against the wall recording the guitar solo to hold the line. Okay. Now, if you Dude. guys know that song and you know yeah. that solo Hold the Line. there <laughs> breaks into probably the greatest guitar solo of of either side of 10 years. And I'm sitting there with my ear against the wall. I am awesome. again the lowest of the lowest. All right? I'm not even allowed to walk by the do- the studio door at this point. Yeah. And I'm listening and my knees are getting weak. And at that point in my life, I said, I'm at the right place. This is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Then when radio vision came along, remember, I was already 20 years into audio, 20 years into, into engineering. Okay. And I was the chief, the house engineer, the chief engineer of a studio, which means when a band comes in and they have their own engineer. I'm off. I still get paid, but I'm off. Okay. When they come, any act or anything that wants to record that doesn't have their own engineer, I'm the guy. So I was blessed to work with the best of the best and the worst of the worst. We wouldn't, it's not like nowadays, you know, where our, you know, demo producers we really have to vet who we're working with we have to make mm-hmm. sure they're ready we have to make sure they're trained that they've got a game plan that you know when you give them the demo, it's not like now what do i do um i make sure that they know everybody and every you know uh, they're involved in the community not then boy you got two hundred dollars bam you got an hour of the studio it doesn't belch <laughs> for an hour we don't care we get awesome. oh so, um being in that position, I did get to work with a lot of brand new bands. So I started going to all the clubs. Remember early eighties in LA clubs were right. ever better. So I would go to all these clubs, the, the owners of the clubs, the, the gatekeepers of the clubs, they all knew me. Um, I could walk right in. I got the, you know, they took the the rope away and me and Joanne, my wife of 40 years. Um,
1: congratulations.
3: Right. In, thank you so much. Um, Got right in, got a seat because I was there to listen to the band to see if I wanted to bring them into the studio, no charge, to cut a spec, two or three songs, spend a day or two. Um, Since I'm bringing them in, I kind of get to produce them. I kind of get to tell them what I want to hear because they're not paying for it. But of course, they're signing, you know, I cut my finger last night cutting tomatoes, by the way. yeah, I didn't have any band-aids, but this one's really good I took some toilet paper and some tape around it. It's actually really comfortable. Hey,
1: resourceful. That's called being resourceful. We like it.
3: Pieces and putting them together. So, <laughs> I, one of the reasons I love doing demos, it's almost the same thing. It's with what it's I do with voice talent, what I did with bands and strategically putting things together. Um, very, again, more strategic that when the listener, either the agent, casting director, client, whatever, listens to it, they get a certain feeling or it puts them in a certain place. And that is very calculated. It's not Mm -hmm. just, here's a spot, here's a spot, here's a spot. Every spot's there for a reason. It brings out something in the listener uh, that I work very hard to achieve. It's not an accident. Um, And it's, that comes from music. Example, uh, I had a great band that no doubt was going to get signed and we're working on one of the songs and where there's a guitar solo about maybe 10 or 15 seconds of right after the second chorus, boom, ready for the guitar solo to come in. I said, no guitar solo.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
3: Just, just keep... Leave it open. We go to a producer for Era Star A&M Records and he's listening to the demo. He hears the first song. He likes it. He comes to the song. There's the break. There's no guitar solo. He does this. You really need a guitar solo in there. And I say, that's why we're here. See, see, this is, this is the guy we need to talk to.
1: Ah, Nice. That is strategic. My friend, that is strategic
3: behind the scenes. (laughs) Things are not what they appear to be out in the, you know? Yep. Um, think everything through, you know? Um,
1: Well, so let's um, keep going with that. So, so you're using all these influences. You have your time at radio vision. So what, and I, using your music background, your audio skills, your engineering skills. So what have you seen transform in automotive VO production? Like to me, the first thing that comes to mind is it's an experience these commercials that, you know, it, it's storytelling. It's a documentary. it It's not what you were saying, you know, buy now, come down Saturday. You know, it's not sell, sell, sell. So what are you seeing evolving in the animation, excuse me, automotive VO genre?
3: Well, let's break it down real quick. Okay. And, I'm, you know, I've got, if anybody's interested in automotive, I got X sessions and breakouts coming up next week that are going to, Fabulous and so much fun. We'll talk about that in closing. Um, But with automotive, we have three tiers of automotive there's national, there's regional, and there's local. They're very, very different. National is close to regional because most regionals are national spots with a local tag where they will say test drive today at, and then they'll give the region local, you know, test drive at your North Texas Toyota Truck Dealers Association or. Um, and then there's local and local is a specific dealership. Now they could have one owner could have four or five dealerships, but each one of those is considered local. Mm -hmm. Um, national, like you said earlier is a documentary. It talks Mm -hmm. how your life can improve. Um, it's vehicle centric. It's all about the car and how the car interacts with you and your life. Uh, if you're young, you got the beach. If you're, You know, a young adult, you've got kids. You've got the back open up and the dog jumps in and you're throwing in the donuts for the PTA meeting. Um, If you're a little bit older and you're money, you pull up in front of the opera house and the leg comes out when the door opens. If you're older like me, you've got the F-150 truck because we work real hard from day to night. We need a truck that works as hard as you do. So when it comes to national spots, don't even include the word automotive because there's really no difference other than four tires and a steering wheel. It's still imagey. It's still compelling. It's still connecting um, the product with the, with the buyer. Um, There's a lot of psychology involved. Um, So when we do national, you know, they're beautiful and, and a lot of national spots are celebrities. Um, they'll do like the flagship spot of the year. You'll have Matthew McConaughey sitting behind his link and talking about every road is an invitation. And then you will have the ads where all month long, it's Toyota Those are the ads that you guys would be doing. If you're going to get into national, you'll be doing, um, you know, uh, uh events, national events. Um, you're not really going to hear Matthew McConaughey say all month long, it's Toyota He ain't going to do that. Um, but you guys can, where does the national spots come from? Agents, maybe pay to play, um, put you up against what 20,000 other people that would love to do a national Volkswagen spot, um, manager, uh, word of mouth, a director you worked with three months ago. Um, somebody like me. Um, so it's going to come from, Someone, and it's gonna be very difficult, same thing with uh regional they will come from anywhere uh we can get into where they come from later and but and then there's local local is the almost the opposite of a national spot because we are talking about the dealership we're dealership centric we're not talking about the car that much we're talking about our community we're here for you, what we do for you. So that's really the big difference. Come on down, meet us this weekend, have a piece of pizza, spin the wheel, and ride the camel. You know, meet Jen. Hi, I'm Jen. This on weekend, a camel. Yeah. yeah. On a camel. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> could see it too. Everybody could see it. New shirt. Um, and we talk about yeah. community. We talk about how uh, we collect money for victims of the fire or the earthquake, or uh, we talk about. Um, uh, Sponsorships for little league teams, and you become the voice of the dealership. And these spots come from production companies that Mm -hmm. do this type of work local automotive, local furniture stores, cash pawn, and lawyers. The tough, smart lawyer. Everybody hates me. My dog hates me. You'll love me. You know, like that. Uh, Local was. Very enthusiastic, you know, 20 years ago. A lot mm-hmm. of screaming and yelling, a lot of moving metal. Uh, there was a line, what was it years ago, cut through the clutter like hot knife through butter. You know, you want to really pop out of that because at only at any given time, one percent, one tenth of the percent of the population listening are even thinking about buying a car. Yeah. So when we are talking about it. You got to be out there. You got to hear them and you're driving in your car, windows rolled down, kids are screaming, you know, got to pop out a little bit. Yeah. But COVID, one of the good things that COVID brought, actually, I think COVID brought a lot of really good things. Uh, no traffic <laughs> was great. Remember that? Staying home, being with the family. Mm -mm -mm. I didn't like, you know, spraying stuff and leaving it on the front step for an hour before you brought it in, which was ridiculous. Yes. But we didn't know. I mean, this thing is killing everybody around us. We didn't know. Better say. So COVID brought down Mm -hmm. the, you know, frenetic read a lot because that frenetic read was really focused around call to action and creation of urgency.
1: Mm -hmm. Two things
3: you know, automotive advertising 101. I've been doing advertising for 20 years. We've got all these little groups and stuff. Creation of urgency is get here now. While the selection's still good, time is running out. There's never been a better time to buy a car. Um, Call to action is pick up the phone, um, get online, uh, uh, visit our website, come in this weekend. Anything to get you from point A to point B. So that really was the meat of local automotive for a long time. Urgent. Uh, We didn't really talk about rarely, and I'm talking 10 years ago, so I'm not even going to mention, you know, rear window cameras and 360 degree this and that. You know, back in the day, we would say with automatic, power steering, power locks, you know, and you'd have this, what we call a laundry list of all these items. That was not really as important as get your butt down here right now and the price.
1: Mm-hmm. So we have
3: terms and we have incentives. Incentives are not the same as terms. You'd say $500 off a car would be an incentive to buy the car, but it's really not. That falls under terms. An incentive in automotive, especially local, is how does it make you feel about yourself? You want to be attractive to whoever you want to be attracted to. You want to make your life easier. You want to have 18 drink holders. You want to be a Superman. You want people to go, whoa, when you drive by, that's an incentive to yeah. buy terms, how much and how long. So we talk about, you know, 0% financing for the, for 48 months, how much, how long, um, $5,000 off the price of the car. Right now you can get an F one fifty for only 38, seven twenty two. That's 5,000 off. Those are all terms. Um, So today's uh, local, and it's still kind of hanging on from COVID because I think a lot of people like it, is it's a little calmer. Of course, you're going to find the high energy every now and then. Right. But those are coming from dealerships, and I hope they're watching me right now. You guys are superstitious. Well, it worked in the past. It's going to work tomorrow. It might not. Bell bottoms worked great in the 70s. They didn't work so great in the 90s, you know. Well,
1: I think something that you are really hitting on, and then I'm going to turn it over to AB, but one of the things that you're really hitting on, this that I would argue is across all genres right now, but people want, as is, is you talked about the terms and conditions and then the incentives, it's the emotional, It's it, there's an emotional component to the incentive. How does it make me feel? You know what does you know? And when you hear, we are in a place now where you've said it. Post pandemic, family matters, community matters. I want to live like I, you know, I want my grandmother to let you know. We there's such a a greater emotional component, and I think across the board, that's why producers, you know, um, clients, advertisers, they're really reaching for authentic, authentic ness and trying to really bring the heart into it. Whatever that emotion is, but I think that's what's really working right now is that emotional connection.
3: Would you agree I, with that? I I do agree. I also think we're on the cusp of it. Um right around t- 2017 a little bit before we started really talking about the conversational read. Now, I don't know if that's anything that you really need to study. Basically, what it is is forget trying to be a spokesperson and just talk, just be a normal person. And it doesn't matter what you're reading. Then came the millennial read. And the millennial read kind of took it down like this. And it was very internal. It was about you, not you, not the audience. It was about the person that was talking. And it was, to me, it was very selfish. Um, it's all about me, and it's what happens to me. And an example would be, like, I'm just making this up, but like a Nike spot, you know, it would be, I hear the voice in my head telling me, run faster, jump higher, Nike. And, you know, it's me, 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 me. Now I'm starting to hear... And what I'm hearing from casting directors and what they're looking for, and and my clients are looking for, they're looking for personality. So getting away from this conversational read. Now, this is very interesting. We've got personality. Forget conversational. Forget millennial. Forget all that stuff. But we've got a personality read. And the other side is the detached read. I love the detached read. I think it's just enough to say what you want to say. You're not trying to sell me anything. I'm smart. I've been around the block a couple of times. I know when you're BSing me. I know when you're selling me. Talk to me. Tell me what it is without sounding like, you know, everybody's out to hate me and I'm all alone. You know, we're I'm done with that. You know, now we want personality. Why is it fun? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to buy this particular carrot scraper? All right. And make it fun. Um, some of that comes from the influence that so-called influencers bring to the advertising market. Yeah. they do a very conversational and it's supposed to be, and some of them are really, really good. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the times the viewers don't know what's good and what's bad. Because what's good, you don't notice. You give me a voiceover, that's real easy for me to tell you what, or not me, but somebody else to tell you what's not good about it. Right. Sometimes it's hard to tell you what's really good about it because the better it is, the less you notice it. And the better it is, the less you judge it. And the better it is, the more you go with the flow of of the program. So this detached read really came to light um, a lot of people jumped all over it during the Super Bowl. There was, oh yeah, that commercial for Poppy. Poppy, I think,
1: <laughs> yes,
3: was like, and if it was, try, you know, if there wasn't a thousand of us voice actors watching that particular commercial, nobody would know anything. Nobody would say anything about it. But no. all of us kind of went, we like that. We like, we like this, and what yes. was it? It was, it was conversational, but. It just was so natural yeah. and just really not talking about anything and just kind of telling me what's going on without making the words on the paper bigger, without having the actor's performance step on the story, really let the product speak for itself. And when I do national spots, um, and I'm directing or I'm directing, you know, anything that has a face. You know, you've got a car, you've got a Cadillac, that's got two, you know, the headlights of the mouth. What does a Kia Sorento sound like? What does a, uh you know, any cheap car, like a, maybe like a Kia or a Hyundai, uh, well, what, what's the real cheap Hyundai? Um, I should know. Um Like the Kia Rio, you know, it, back in the day, I think you could buy it for like $10,000, you know. Um But that car has a personality. Infinity has a personality. Audi has a personality. And the voice can kind of, you know, what would the car sound like if it could talk? And I'm sure that an Audi would not be, hey, everybody, come on, blah, 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 blah. It would have a very, you know, if you know Audi, you know how awesome it is. You don't have to be sold on it. And I think that I would rather tell somebody uh, how cool something it is without them knowing i'm trying to tell them how cool something is and to me that's where that detached read comes in so my two favorite reads that right now are the energetic or enthusiastic read that has positivity (laughs) through it and positivity doesn't have to be yelling it's the difference of you know for only 8.99 a month versus for only 8.99 a month one goes up the other goes down If you go down, it's a huge amount of money. If it goes up, hey, you can afford that. (laughs) So that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing personality come back, and I love it.
0: We like personality around here. Um, You know,
3: another thing is everybody has a different personality. So it's easy to just, when you are yourself, that becomes your brand. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Interrupt you, Alicia.
0: No, you're good. A big airplane just went overhead and I'm like, crap, that's gonna cut him off. It's loud. Um, sorry for the noise in the background, you guys. Well, we have several questions in the comments, but before we get there, we should have a little detached commercial for studio bricks because I really uh, love my studio bricks.
3: Studio bricks look like the outside of a sushi bar. You yes, know, go into a really nice sushi bar. That's what Studio Bricks looks
2: like,
0: and you can get them customized with colors. I've seen one that looks like a Doctor Who, right? Like the the booth, the phone booth from Doctor Who. Um, uh, mine's just like the sushi bar. It's just a little white box. Gorgeous, but I love it. And uh, right now we've been interviewing demo producers and talking about um, one of the most important things is making sure that you have a home studio ready to go. And that they have to evaluate home studios, and one of the people I was talking to said, "You know, if I see that somebody's in a studio bricks, I know I'm okay. like I know their their quality, their sound quality is going to be good and ready to go. So that's one of the reasons we recommend um, checking out studio bricks if you're ready to level up and invest in a space where you know you can record pretty much no matter what. Giant airplanes flying overhead you may hear, but otherwise it's pretty pretty darn solid. So that's our little that's our little pitch for studio bricks. And did not hear that airplane. Oh, good. I heard it, but I was hoping you guys didn't hear it. Great. So it did not come through. Perfect.
3: Creating a, a working environment is really, really difficult. You know, yeah. and that's, but, but, um, it's probably the biggest hurdle, uh, new voice talent have. Um, there are so many great coaches out there and so many great, uh, resources out there that building your skills, uh, is not as difficult or as time consuming as it used to be. Um, uh, but getting your sound right and learning audio, it's like, oh my God, what does upward expansion mean? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, people look at the, at this, at their DAWs and they go, well, that doesn't apply to me. You know what that, I don't need to learn that. That doesn't apply to me. Um, uh, mm-hmm. that's not true. But when me as a director and you said it in, in, when you were talking about it, when I dial you up and you come in and I see you're sitting in a studio bricks room, I know I'm halfway there, you know, that. Is very important, your presence to your director, how you look. Of course, you know, being on time and, and all that stuff. But when I see a Studio Bricks, they've already done their homework. Yeah. Know? So let me add that. And thank you, Studio thank Bricks. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions from the chat. We have quite a active chat today. And um, one of the questions is, when you're considering local car dealerships, so I, that's the tier... Three, Three. right? Um, Would you be reaching out to local production companies? And who's deciding on the voice talent for those spots? Is it the dealership?
3: You are reaching out to local production companies. They could look like giant companies and be one guy. Or they could be Radio Vision and have 60 active clients. Don't bother the dealerships unless you know the guy, unless you went to those daughters' wedding, all right, or you're a son-in-law. They're so busy every day just running that dealership with 50 people and, you know, millions of dollars of inventory. They don't know. They hire production companies. They're looking for a production company that terms like turnkey, where they'll write the scripts, they'll shoot it, they'll get your um, compliance, they'll make sure you're legal, they'll book your airtime. The production companies are the people that you want to reach out to. Okay. Um, they can be found. We can get into that later if you want to have a private conversation with me. Um, but I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I go to the magnifying glass and I type in every single incarnation of automotive auto, automotive advertising, automotive sales, automotive production, music, automotive radio spots, everything that I can think of auto automotive and every you'll get conversations. It's just like voiceover. You know, you type in VO and you've got your choice of what, 50 or 60 VO groups. Some are great. Some are getting started. You know, some will disappear. Um, But with LinkedIn, and the main reason to be on LinkedIn is to give your employment information. You know, Facebook's great if you want to see pictures of my dog. There she is. <laughs> oh, she's out cold. We, we did a good frisbee, uh, early morning frisbee run this morning. Have to border collies. You got to keep them.
0: So if you're ready to do your automotive marketing, is it it do you need to have a demo ready to go, an automotive demo?
3: Let me get to that next. Okay. Um when you reach out to the production companies, you want to reach out to account managers because they are the go between between the production company and the dealership. Um Steve will call the the GM and say, "Hey, what do you want to do this month?" And they'll talk about it, and then the account manager will give that information to either the creative or they'll write the script themselves, uh, depending upon the size of the the uh, company. And then it gets distributed down through video and and all that stuff. But first person you want to try to get in touch with would be account manager. Second person you'd want to get in touch with would be creative director. Third person would be audio director. And there are clever ways to do that. Um, not tricks. I don't like tricks. But there are um, ways to get through, and we can get into that later on. Come to a next session. I'll tell you all about it. Um, What was your second question that I said I would get back to?
0: Do you need to have an automotive demo ready to go to market, or can you use a commercial demo?
3: If you are doing national, you do not need an automotive demo. I try to talk people out of doing a national automotive demo that come to me. Unless their manager or their agent says, oh, you've got to have a national automotive demo. I don't know if those words have ever been spoken. Because, like I said earlier when we were talking, there's no difference really between a national automotive spot and a beautiful healthcare spot. You know, it's the same level of killer production, killer voiceover, killer editing. You know, it's all... Wonderful. If you want to get into tier three, which is what I recommend people do because it's the holy grail of voiceover. um, Yes, you must have a tier three automotive demo because the owner of the dealership is numbers focused and doesn't have a creative bone in their body, which is why they hire the production companies. And they need to hear you in a car spot. They need to hear Mustang, 28495 Fusion, 33695 That you've got, you know how to read local automotive. Um, one of the big mistakes people make is that they read a car spot, local automotive spot, the way they think car spot's supposed to sound. Well, how's that supposed to sound? Well, it's dependent on the script. A luxury infinity dealership's going to sound a whole lot different than, you know, the the $5,000 corral where no car is over five grand. Come on down. Um, But yes, it is important. There's uh, four or five or six different reads. There's the local luxury read, the country read, the, the, the everyday guy next door, soccer mom read. There's the daughter of the owner read. There's the live on the lot read. Hey, everybody, come on down this weekend. We've got some, I throw in some ambient sounds cars driving by, kids crying, a band around the corner with the reverb to make it sound like it's alive on the lot or simulive or almost live is what we call those kind of productions. So when the client and client, including the production company, uh, hears you in an automotive spot, a local automotive spot, they can judge if you're right for them. So yes, it is important.
0: And it's important to have coaching before you go to the Go to make an automotive demo.
3: And I'll tell you this, I believe in, you know, natural talent, but when it comes to automotive, familiarity is king. You have to sound like the spot before. You have to sound like stuff you've heard. You don't want to be too out there because these dealerships are all very, you know, superstitious. They don't want to go out on too much of a limb. Excuse me, I get the hiccups. Mm -hmm. Get it. I get excited.
0: It gives me a a chance to break in here and ask. um, So let's switch gears a little bit. So since automotive seems to be significantly male leaning to our female audience, we we want to know how are women fitting into the picture? I know Jenna Birmingham is a big advocate.
3: Hugely, because times have changed, women, and they always should have been. It's stupid, man. Sorry, guys. Women are empowered women are buying cars as they should be um we won't necessarily admit it and you can edit this out if you want but i personally think women are superior to men in just about every aspect <laughs> except one
1: we will not edit that no just say it louder in the microphone right here Only just say one it thing
3: that we're better at than you and that we can beat you up <laughs> so, put on a set of boxing gloves i'll put on a set of boxing well yeah there's always you know the Uh, outlier. (laughs) Yeah. But in general, men are stronger. Um, but women, you know, you used to hear the nightmare. Why don't you bring your husband around little lady and we cut a deal. Those (laughs) days are gone. You know, women are where they should be, where they always should have been, um, buying cars, buying homes, starting businesses. Um, terrific. So they are a viable, uh, target to sell to they um having a woman talk to a woman uh there are cars specifically designed for women uh you might not know what they are but I sure do and i'll write my scripts accordingly um local automotive absolutely and that again depends upon the dealership national automotive i would say 50-50 go ahead prove me wrong watch TV from six o'clock at night to 10 o'clock at night, and you got a 50 50 shot of whether you're going to get a male or a female. So, yes, yes, yes. Now, more than ever, there's it's always going to skew, I think, a little bit towards uh male, but it's not 95% to 5%. Now, I would say it's 45% to 55%. Um, and I love it. And I went to a Fafcon, y'all remember Fafcon? Uh, FAFCON two, I stood up in front of a hundred people. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And I said, I am Cliff, and I'm here with a production company. I immediately got a hundred new best friends, right? Because I'm the only <laughs> buyer in a in a room in a hundred uh voice actors. And I said, I am here to bring women into automotive. It is time. I'm I'm tired of the screaming. Women, you you need to be here. You need to be represented. So to answer that question, yes, and now's a good time.
2: Okay. So uh, once you've made these connections with the production companies and uh, they kind of assign you to specific dealerships, are you going to have that repeat?
3: Yes, yes. What you will do is one uh, agency could have uh, Radio Vision uh, and its heyday had 35, 40 active clients at once all across the country. Um, Half a dozen, seven, eight account managers handling the dealerships, a uh, full production company, what happens is is you get into a, a, a uh, agency and you do one spot for a dealership, how you'll get that, we can talk about later. Um, but when you do get that job, another account executive is going to hear that spot that you did for a client in Washington. Wow, I like that guy. Can I use him for a client I have in Tennessee? Sure. Oh, I like that guy. Can I use him for a client I have in Texas? Absolutely, as long as airspace doesn't cross. Okay. And that's beautiful about local is that all you have to worry about is you don't want to be about 100 miles near your other clients. If you are the voice of Chevy, you ain't doing anybody else, period. You're not doing Dallas Dodge. You're not doing LA Cadillac. You are doing National Chevy. Now, by the time you do a national Chevy, that should be your biggest problem, right? <laughs> right. Oh, sorry, can't do Ford. I've already got Chevy from my mouth to God's ear. That ain't good.
2: <laughs> uh, are go you ahead. looking at um, directed sessions for these or maybe just for the first one until you get the feel for the dealership?
3: Exactly, Jen. The first two or three, you know, I'll hear their audition and... I'll know how much they need. If somebody is absolutely clueless, they'll get a call back and I'll say, Hey man, you're great. Stick to audiobooks. You know, I don't, I don't think automotive is necessarily for you. Um, but I can hear people that have done automotive. Um, if I bring in somebody brand new, I will definitely direct the first three or four spots. And after that, You are on your own. That script comes at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. I got to have it back by 11 because I'm cutting it. I'm done by 1130. It goes to video. Video does their thing. They send it back to me. I put the sound effects that video put on visually, send it back to video. They do a layback of audio and video. It's on the air at five o'clock. Awesome. I mean, how cool is that? You know, start at eight in the morning is already being aired at five o'clock at night. Or first thing in the morning for, you know, AM, you know, good morning, Dallas or good morning, Phoenix. That's where all the local spots are played on the morning shows when people yeah. get.
2: But that brings up another big consideration. If VO is not your full-time job and you're just working on this at night after you get home from your nine to five automotive is not going to work for you.
3: It's not, it's not unless you make an agreement with your client, you know, and you say, Hey, I'm a, what what are you going to argue with? I'm a firefighter. Okay, you're not going to argue with that. You go fight fire. But um, yeah, you gotta you gotta turn this stuff around. That's part of the commitment. Um, one of the good things is, and I'm not going to say this too loud, um, your audio has to be pretty good. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It doesn't have to be anything like an audio book. I mean, good lord, how how, how people do audio books? They are you guys are the heroes of voiceover. Uh, to me, the most amount of responsibility, most amount of work, least amount of pay. Um, but it's it's a legacy. It's it's a different re- – people do audiobooks for different reasons, I think. Um, but, yeah, you've got to be ready. And nowadays, thank God, you grab your MacBook, you grab your 416, you grab your little tiny, you know, interface, you go to the Bahamas, you get the call. I have a, uh, a voice talent that is a certified – Disney princess she can walk into any Disney park show her a card put on her uniform and go to work so she does Disney cruises well half the time I call her she's on a boat she's got a special place on that boat where she can go and do her recordings for me cool and, yeah so travel rig have a travel rig any other cues More questions or
2: Uh, actually I'm, I'm looking at the clock and I can't believe that we have covered an hour already. Isn't it? I mean, like, wow. And I know people still have a lot of questions for you, but they can find you next week.
3: At VO Atlanta. I am doing a national X session, three hours. Great fun. Everything is going to be recorded. You will have all of your audio. Uh first time you get up, you read it, I take notes. Second time you get up, I'll direct you. Third time you get up, you do do it from what you remember. Plenty of mics. I'm gonna bring my four sixteen if you've never heard yourself on a four sixteen. It might be fun. Um that's X session is on National. Better hurry up because there's there's a little a few more seats in National. There's not a whole lot on my second X session, which is local. That I think only has one or two spots open. Um I did I, that
2: last year and it was it was so much fun
3: crazy i mean talk about how fast three hours goes by yeah um i'm also doing a breakout on introduction to automotive which is nice because it's coming right in the middle of an x-session my two x-sessions normally i do x-session x-session and then introduction it should be the other way around because some people get really excited and say oh when's your x-session i was yesterday you know so um i'm doing a panel with Bev on the good, the bad, and the WTF of home-directed sessions, which is hysterical. I'll let her talk about that. I'm doing a tech panel with, with, you know, guys that probably have forgotten more about tech than I'll ever know. Not true. But I think they invite me because I'm like the old guy, you know, and I bring the old analog stuff with me. Um, I'm doing a uh, the No BS uh, uh, demo production panel uh, with people that I, you know, absolutely admire and in love with and uh get five of our best friends all up there on the stage together that's going to be fun um then the thing here and there um i hear the team challenge is sold as filled out which uh mm-hmm. this is the third year third year i am not doing team challenge i was the first team challenge leader on the first team challenge i wanted to kill myself then <laughs> God, Uncle Roy came in to help me for two years. Then after that, Dan Friedman came in. And by the time Dan came in, I'm like, Dan, you're so good at this. Just he loves like, it. Oh, he loves it. I loved it too. But it's as a manager, it's really time-consuming because we're putting yeah. out fire for three days. In fact, we didn't even mention it this year, but the team challenge and the motto is, It's not team challenge until somebody cries. (laughs) Just, you know, you think, well, I'm spending all this money and I'm going to go down to Atlanta. I'm going to end up crying. That's no fun. But the point is you get so into it, you know, and it's so much and it's so demanding. And Dan is perfect for it. So I'm thrilled. It, It just knocked me out.
1: Well, Um, we can't wait to see you. So as part of our wrap up, uh, we like to ask our guests three for fun questions, kind of James Lipton style. So the first one is what show or series are you binge watching right now? Family Feud. Family Feud. Okay.
3: I need brainless.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. I know. Uh, What is your dream vacation?
3: Anywhere with my wife. My backyard or or hawaii or it, it doesn't matter as long as my wife is within three to four feet of me I'm i love
1: it i love it what song do you absolutely have to sing along with when you hear it
3: oh gosh okay i know you want quick answers but let me let me give you
1: one. <laughs> top three
3: <laughs> red rain uh for peter gabriel
1: okay peter gabriel okay
3: um Song that I absolutely have to sing: "Oh, Sweet Home Alabama." As awful as that sounds,
1: but it's one you just you know it.
3: Um. Oh gosh, maybe Baker Street Muse by Jethro Tull. Okay. But as far as like commercial stuff, I, I guess you know. I mean, as much as nobody ever needs to hear "Sweet Home Alabama" again, ever. We never. We don't. We love it, but we just we don't need to hear it. We know yeah. it. But when
0: yeah. that comes
1: on, um, am yep. All right, AB, take us home.
0: And home we go. A huge thank you to everybody joining us live today. If you're listening to our podcast, feel free to join us live on YouTube every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Eastern. And be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. And if you miss a live episode, you can always catch the recording later on our website, VOBoothbesties.com or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And we would really love it if you'd hop on any of those platforms and leave us a review. That helps us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. So like and subscribe, and JT, Now, once again, if you have not signed up for the VO Booth Besties newsletter,
2: please do that so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. Next week, Cliff and AB and NJ will be in Atlanta. However, I will not. So, we're going to have some Facebook Live fun inside the No VO FOMO Facebook group. I will pin the link uh, to the top of the VOBB Facebook group, and you can join us there if you're not in Atlanta, and we'll have our own special brand of fun. Thank you all
0: for being here, and have a great rest of your day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast.
1: Well pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts
2: and follow us on instagram and facebook so we can keep the conversation going video booth besties yeah it's a thing